Hello, everybody, once again. Thank you for joining me on this Pentecost Sunday night, and I am in high expectation that something is going to happen. I'm in high expectation that deliverance is going to happen, wholeness is going to happen. This word on the night, I believe, is coming just for you, and I'm ready. I feel like I'm a a man on a mission. Once again, every week, I thank you guys. Thank you all so much for um, all the tags, all the shout-outs, all the watch parties. I'm so thankful that this word is blessing your life and you're sharing it with others. If you're watching it right now live, tag somebody. Tell somebody, bro, I need you to come in the room. Girl, he on live. I need you to come check this out because this is going to be a revolutionary word just for your life. So are y'all ready? All right, let's go to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. We have a little length we're going to read here, but it's all necessary to set up the backdrop for tonight's preaching presentation. Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. That is my personal goal. When the time happens, when we can open up the doors, listen, I got to make it to the church because Jesus is in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, emphasis, breakthrough, when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes who were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Because he is God. (laughs) But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose and took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all, so that they all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Our clause of concern, our verse of importance, and where we're going to park on tonight takes residence in verse 4. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Father God, I thank you that you bless this moment. Bless this hour. And God, we're asking that you heal us from being paralyzed from fear. Heal us, oh God, from being paralyzed from injustice. 
Heal us, O oh God, from being paralyzed from depression, from stress, from trauma. Heal us, O oh God, because you want us to walk in your love and walk in your grace and walk in your mercy. And just like this man in the text was able to walk out before everybody in the crowd, God, make our lives a walking testimony. Make our lives a walking miracle. We're asking that you do it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. If you agree with that prayer, would you shout in the room, amen. 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 And when they could come no closer because of the crowd, they ripped open the roof and laid down the bed where the paralytic was lying. He had some type of friends where he was like, listen, you going to get healed today. We tired of carrying your behind. You going to get healed today. No longer are you going to be paralyzed. It's a crowd. That's okay. We going to carry you on the roof and we going to break through this. And I don't know who this is for, but let's go ahead and start it off. Somebody say, I'm going to break this. I'm going to break this. I'm going to break this. Don't leave me hanging. Go ahead and put all caps in the room. If you normally don't comment, tonight is your night to comment. You do not have the right to remain silent. Drop the comment. I'm going to break this. I'm going to break this. I'm going to break this. By any means necessary, I'm going to break this. I'm going to break this off my bloodline. I'm going to break this off my mind. I'm going to break this off my marriage. I'm going to break this off my children. I'm going to break this off my heart. I'm going to break this. Somebody say, break this. I'm going to break this. And I just feel as though it's necessary for us to continue on in the conversation that we started on Thursday as we are parking in part, part 14 of our Try Me series. I think we should just continue the conversation of Try Confessing. But I want to switch the topic a little bit. I would like to speak from this thought around this subject for a few moments on tonight, Trauma Breaker. Trauma breaker. Some of us, you don't even recognize that's what you are, a trauma breaker. Try confessing. Try talking it out because we learned last week in James chapter 5, the Bible lets us know, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. Please listen. There is a level of healing that only happens once you confess. There is a level of freedom that only happens once you have confessed. There is a level of wholeness that only happens once you confess. But the problem is, the problem is for us to really implement this scripture, the reason we really can't do it is because the majority of us grew up with this colloquialism branded over our childhood. What goes on in this house stays in this house. All that did was incubate dysfunction. All that did was classically condition us to be emotionally numb. All that did was teach us how to suffer and drown in silence. Why? Because mama drowned in silence and her mother drowned in silence and our uncle drowned in silence and grandma drowned in silence and grandpa drowned in silence. And so what do they do? They try to pass through the baton and say, this is what we do when we're hurt. This is what we do when we feel pain. This is what we do when we suffer. We drown in silence. We drown in silence. All that did was deceive us, which deceive us to such a degree that caused us to confuse adjusting as healing. Woo. Did y'all hear what I just said? Please listen. Never confuse adjusting as healing. They are not the same thing. They are not the same thing. Just because you have adjusted to it doesn't mean that you are healed from it. 
we coming out already. Just because you have adjusted to it doesn't mean that you have been healed from it. I know that you haven't been healed from it because you still feel some type of way when you see them. <laughs> coming all down your street. I know that you haven't healed from it because every time you see their name pop up on your timeline, every time you see their name pop up in a text message, you feel some type of way. You haven't healed from it because when you're in a conversation and somebody talks about them, you start to get this tightness in your chest. A lot of us think that you're healed because your cut is now a scab. Negative. You're healed when you see the person who cut you and you don't want to cut them back. All right, all right, all right, coming down somebody's street, you're healed. When you see the person who cut you and you don't want to cut them back, God wants to give you a Joseph-type heart. You went through some stuff, but it was all for the purpose of positioning you to where you have learned what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And my concern, my concern for the church and a generation is that we have just adjusted to it. We've just adjusted to depression. We've just adjusted to poverty. We've just adjusted to injustice. We've just adjusted to our dreams never happening. We've just adjusted to pain. We've just adjusted to heartbreak. We've just adjusted to trauma. We've just adjusted to surviving, to, to being a survivalist. Listen, when you live life like a survivalist, you'll put up with anything and you'll take anything because you're just trying to survive. You're just trying to survive. Roy, bare minimum feels like royal treatment when you live a life of a survivalist. Did you hear what I just said? Bare minimum feels like royal treatment when you live life like a survivalist. I'm about to mess somebody up. You could be in survival mode for so long that you have formulated a preference on a survival level. <laughs> You could be in survival mode for so long that you have formulated a preference on the level of surviving. So let's go a little deeper. God sense and counterfeits usually come in the same season. The reason we can't see the God sent is because the counterfeit is our preference. Just let that marinate, marinate. Say la. <laughs> God sense. And counterfeits usually come in the same season. But the reason we can't identify the God sent is because the counterfeit is our preference. The God sent is God's will for you. The counterfeit is the devil's will for you. And when you live life as a survivalist, you will constantly reach out to what keeps you in survival mode. But I came here on tonight to give somebody this word. God did not create you to just survive. He did not create you to just survive. He created for you to thrive. God did not create you to live off bare minimum. God did not create you. Do y'all remember this song by TLC, No More Scrubs? Well, I believe G.O.D. has a new song called No More Scraps. No more scraps of a prayer life, no more scraps of a commitment, no more scraps of fasting, no more scraps of giving yourself to your partner in marriage. No more scraps, no more scraps. I made you for more. Somebody say made for more. I made you for so much more. I made you so, for so much more. But here's the problem. If the Bible says, confess your faults so that you may be healed. But our childhood says, hide your faults. So that you may appear. <laughs> Confess your faults so that you may be healed. No, hide your faults so that you may appear. 
What this is doing is classically conditioning a generation to be people who have big smiles but broken souls. Big smiles but broken souls. We're wearing a mask year-round. It didn't take for COVID to happen. We wear a mask (laughs) year-round. We wear a mask year-round. See, listen, I want you to understand this. What goes on in this house stays in this house. Shut up, stay in the child's place, go to your room. Shut up, go to your room. Don't talk to me like that. Stop crying. Stop crying. You keep crying, I'm going to give you something to really cry about. Y'all ever heard that? (laughs) Keep crying, I'm really going to give you something to cry about. Stop, why are you crying so much? Girls cry like that. Stop crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. All that did was give us hearts that can't breathe. All that did was give us hearts that can't breathe because we learned that the mouth is the ventilation system of the heart. See, I can't breathe is not just an activist motto. For many of us, this is our reality. My frustrations can't breathe. My emotions can't breathe. My esteem can't breathe. My soul can't breathe. My spirit can't breathe. My heart can't breathe. So here I am forever gasping for air under the knee of injustice and parental extended wounds. And I cannot breathe. I can't be who God has created me to be. Because I'm so wounded because of what they did. And I'm so wounded because of what they said. And I'm so wounded because of what I went through. It's not just an activist statement. And I believe a lot of us don't even recognize this. What we are dealing with today is generational momentum of concealment. I have been taught how to conceal. I've been taught how to bury. I've been taught how to suffer. And I believe God is saying, listen, enough with that. I need you to break some stuff. And I believe there's some people watching this message. I have a sneaky suspicion that you're watching this message and you're like, listen, I'm tired of hiding. I want to come out. God, I want you to set me free. And just like this dude in our foundational text, he had friends that say, listen, we're tired of you in this state as well. We're going to lead you to Jesus. So if we have to rip open this roof so that we can get you to Jesus, whatever we got to do to get you healing, we're going to do it. Whatever we got to do to get you in the king's presence, we're going to do it. Whatever we got to do to get your miracle, we're going to do it. Because I'm tired of fake. Is there anybody else tired of fake? I'm tired of fake, God. I'm tired of fake people. I'm tired of fake smiles. I'm tired of fake joy. I'm tired of fake laughs. I'm tired of fake orgasms. Yes, I just said that. (laughs) I'm tired of fake. Listen, if they only say I love you during the sex, they're not talking to you. They're talking to the sex, and you just happen to overhear the conversation. Y'all not ready. (laughs) Y'all don't really like each other. You know what this is? Shared dysfunction. Because trauma spirits are drawn to trauma spirits. You got a certain level of trauma, and he has a certain level of trauma, and you guys don't even recognize the reason you can't let each other go is because y'all have a trauma bond. This is why y'all argue so much. This is why y'all fight so much, because spirits are attracted to spirits, and we don't really like each other. This is not even chemistry. This is just shared trauma. This is just shared trauma. And I believe what we are seeing today is a generation who's tired of fake. Tired of fake. It's like in prior days, they were more concerned about making face. We're more concerned about accepting our face. 
Like we have plus size stores now, right? <laughs> we have, you can have natural hair now. We have like breast cancer survival models. We have learned I'm tired of being fake and it's okay for you to be who God has created for you to be. All that stuff that the church said, it's your season and it's your time. Oh, I'm about to get in trouble. See, a lot of people are messed up because they recognize now I was going to a house that was just giving me height, but they weren't giving me any handles. I don't know how to handle loss. I don't know how to handle suffering. I don't know how to handle pain because you went to a place that just worked your emotions. You went to a place that just made you shout and knuck and buck, but you had no depth. You have no spiritual understanding. And so when you suffer, you act confused. You act as though since you're a Christian, you're immune from trouble. <laughs> and so now you doubt God. It's because they kept giving fake content. And I believe now we're in a place where I want real. This isn't just in church. This is in culture. When I was growing up, I feel like Disney kept lying to us. Disney was showing all these movies of happily ever after. I believe this is why a lot of the sequels were whack. Because you had like the happily ever after, but part two was terrible. <laughs> so you saw Aurora. Once the prince, you know, fought a Maleficent, he kissed her. Happily ever after. Little Mermaid, happily, happily ever after. Cinderella put the little glass thing on her foot, happily ever after. I believe somebody got in Disney Studios and like, listen, let's create a movie called Frozen and let's have this prince come and let's have him try to make Anna think that he really loves her because love is an open door. But he really don't want you. He just wants your kingdom. He just wants all of your assets. And he's trying to show his brothers that I'm good enough and that I have a sibling rivalry issue. Let's give them the truth. Even cultures woke to this reality. I'm tired of fake. Let's give the people real. It's like everybody says they don't do fake and they want something real. And so they meet somebody who wants you to be real honest. They meet somebody who wants you to be really committed. They meet somebody who wants you to keep what you really say. This is why some people go ghost because you're so real it exposes that they're fake. Somebody say trauma breaker. So I'm going to give you five signs. Five signs. How do I know that God has cosmically wired me to be a trauma breaker? Point number one, trauma encounters. Trauma encounters. You cannot break what you have not been exposed to. Trauma encounters. But God is so good that he always flips what the enemy has meant for evil and turns it into good. God knows they're going to turn that trauma into triumph. Yeah, what they went through, they're going to write a book, and that's going to be a New York bestseller. What they went through, they're going to start a podcast, and that's going to be number one on Apple Podcasts. What they went through is going to cause them to formulate a community of women and inform them about sex trafficking and human trafficking and how to have morals and how to stand for yourself. What you went through is going to be something that God uses. Yes, you went through a mess, but that was just so that you could meet the Messiah. You went through a mess, but that was just so that you could meet the Messiah, and God's going to clean you of your mess because you met the Messiah, and he's going to have you be his messenger. <laughs> Trauma encounters. Now, I was asking myself, I said, okay, God, what is the best way that we could, de that we could define trauma? I believe the best definition to define trauma is hell's attempt to put a bookmark in your story. 
I believe that's one of the best ways to define trauma is hell's attempt to put a bookmark in your story, right? And so he wants us to accept the labels. He wants us to accept the labels from his mailmen so that he could ship us to our offspring. <laughs> Did y'all hear what I just said? He wants us to accept the labels so that he could ship us to our bloodline, shift us to our offspring. I want to show you this. He wants us to accept labels. So look, you're this package, right? He's like, look, I want them to accept the label. What label do we have here? I want them to accept fear. I want them to accept this, and let's put this, yeah, let's put this right on their life. There's somebody who has fear. I want them to accept that label. I, I want them to accept the label of childhood trauma. Don't, don't fight it, no. I, I want them to accept it, and we're going to put this on them as their shipping address. Yeah, yeah. I, I want them to accept the label of depression. I don't, want them to, I don't want them to fight it. I want them to adjust to it. We're just going to accept the label. We're just going to accept that. I want them to accept heartbreak. Listen, I know we're interrupting the message, but I want you guys to understand this. You are a trauma breaker. Make this sign. Tag us. I am a trauma breaker. That's who God cosmically created for you to be, to break trauma. I want you guys to remember that. Make the sign. Tag us. Let's get back to the message. What he wants us to accept is heartbreak. Just accept that as a label. And so what I believe the enemy wants to do, I believe he wants us to have all of these labels on us. And he wants you to pass it on to your children, to your children's children, to their children, because I want them to be so bound by what I put on them, that they'll never want to discover what's in them. Trauma encounters. Somebody say trauma encounters. Okay, point number two, how do you know if you're a trauma breaker? Awareness. It seems like you're the only one in your family. You're the only one in your church. You're the only one in your community. You're the only one on your job that can notice this is not a fragrance, this is an odor. Everybody else thinks this is normal. And you're the only one like, do y'all notice that everybody in our family gets divorced? Do y'all notice that all the men in our family are unfaithful? Do y'all notice that everybody in our family is an alcoholic? Do you notice what y'all have accepted as the norm? And when you're a trauma breaker, it stands out to you. Because once a person goes to a barbecue, they don't even know that they smell like smoke. They don't know that they smell like the smoke until they took a bath, until they have been washed. You have been washed. And you have been washed so that God can show you, you see that? You're called to break that. You see this? You're called to change that. You see this? You're called to shift that. You see this? You're called to adjust that. I want you to understand your calling. Don't complain as I'm always like this and I'm just the oddball and something's always been wrong with my family. God made you aware for a reason because you're going to break it. I want to prove this to you. Look, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him. 
nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerning. There are some stuff that only the spirit will help you discern. And dead men don't respond to life. God has made you aware. Point number three, how do I know if I'm a trauma breaker? Because you're abnormal. Anybody watching this, you like just never fit in? Like even with your family, like you can't freely dance. You got to kind of walk on eggshells around them, right? (laughs) You can't just breathe in deeply. You got to hold your breath because when you speak, you speak the language of truth. And truth sounds like hate to those that hate the truth. (laughs) You're the oddball. You're just the one that just never fit in. It's because God has made you outstanding. So many times if you're going to be outstanding, you're going to have to stand out. You're going to have to stand out and you have to be honest. Listen, some of us have to set boundaries even with our family. And I believe setting boundaries is a form of self-love because a lot of people are the secondhand smoke to our peace. (laughs) You're abnormal for a reason. I think about Moses. I bet Moses was always kind of abnormal. He was like, man, I'm kind of Egyptian, but then I just got a thing for the Hebrews. It's like I fit in just enough to be Egyptian, but then I'm also fitting in just enough to be Hebrew. And I feel as though God many times makes it to where what was weird for you to be in one season is because of what you're called to be in the next season. You really couldn't totally fit in with being an Egyptian Moses because God called you to be a deliverer of the Hebrews. And because many of us don't recognize that God has called you to be a deliverer, you keep saying, I'm the weird one. I'm the oddball. I'm the one that's weird. But really, it's God's like, no, you're the breaker. You're the trauma breaker of your family. Number four, this is good. How do you know if you're a trauma breaker? Separation. Separation. Whenever God places a weight on you, before God ever takes a man or a woman from glory to glory, whenever God has a massive assignment for you, he always separates you. We see that there was a time in Jesus' life where God separated him. There was a time in Moses' life where God separated him. There was a time in Joseph's life where God separated him. Because I called you to set a people free. God sense and counterfeits come in the same season. Y'all remember that, right? We have Jesus, we have Herod. (laughs) We have Moses, we have Pharaoh. We have Adam and Eve. We have a serpent. We got Baal worshipers. We got Elijah. But there's always a time when God separates you so that you can go back to the very thing that tried to crush you and bring out other people so that they won't be crushed like the enemy tried to crush you. You're a godsend. Separation. I want you guys to see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17 says, Therefore, come out. Somebody say, come out. Come out. From among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. God separates you to train you. And when you don't have the ability to discern this season, you'll discern, you'll misconstrue the season as a season where God is punishing you. But no, I have you obscured for a reason. Nothing is popping off for a reason. No guys in your DMs for a reason. There's no wife that you're finding right now for a reason. No matter how much you push, no matter how much you grind, nothing is popping off for a reason. It's because this is the season where I train you. This is the season where I teach you me. This is the season where I teach you how to hear my sound. 
See, some of us, you're new to this whole Try Me series, but in the beginning of the year, I did a series called Appetite, and I want to re, like, revisit something for a second. God always puts us in a season where we learn his voice. A lot of us don't even know his voice. The eaglet, when the eaglet is inside the eggshell, what causes for that eaglet to begin to peck and want to come out is the sound. He begins to hear the sound of his mother. He hears the sound of his father. He hears the sound of the rain. He hears the sound of the wind. And it's what's on the other side of that shell that makes that eaglet begin to peck. And sometimes there are some birds that they don't peck. But what caused them to want to break out of this shell is they hurt their brothers and sisters. They hear their brothers and sisters singing a new song on the other side. They hear their brothers and sisters singing praise on the other side. And because they can hear somebody else's testimony, because they can hear somebody else's miracle, they begin to peck because they begin to wonder, if God could do it for sister so-and-so, maybe he could do it for me. If God can do it for brother so-and-so, maybe he could do it for me. It's a sound. God is trying to get you to hear his voice so you can peck out the shell of trauma and peck out the shell of dysfunction. Because there's something on the other side. What is on the other side of your obedience? Your whole life you lived a life of rebellion. Could you just imagine what is on the other side of your obedience? Maybe if you surrender to God on the other side, you'll learn how to fly. Versus learning how to be held captive. Somebody say separation. Separation is the time where God makes you unrecognizable to those that only knew you by your wound. Separation is a time where God makes you unrecognizable to those who only knew you by your trauma. Number five, I wish somebody would have told me this when I first started ministry. I wish somebody would have told me this when I first started ministry. Number five, you have supporters, you have lurkers, and you have opposers. (laughs) You have supporters, you have lurkers, and you have opposers. Those watching said, what in the world is a lurker? Lurk is kind of like a millennial term. It's for people who just watch what you do, but they don't ever support what you do. Yeah, they're there, but they're just silent. I believe, God, give me so much oil, will they get healed by default? Just because you're in the atmosphere, just because you're on the timeline, just because you're watching the stream, you got healed by default. And I made the mistake of thinking when I wanted to make kingdom moves, everybody was going to support. <laughs> and I recognize some people lurk. They're never going to support you. They're just going to watch you. And sometimes the reason it's your family who opposes you the most is because y'all both came from the same place. But when they see where you are, Based on where they are, your growth agitates their stagnation because growth always irritates the complacent. The reason they don't have nothing to say, positive, the reason they always call your stuff little, I heard your little song, I saw your little movie, I saw your little episode, I saw your little video. The reason they always say little is because they have so much fear that they're scared to take a little step. They're, sta- they're scared. Oh. They're scared to cause their little dream to become a big dream. And so they constantly try to criticize you. The reason they hate you so much is because you remind them of what they could be and they don't take the risk. They hate you because of what you have that they wish they had. What they are really is confused admirers. They wish they had what you had and they wish they were in your shoes, but they don't have the boldness and they don't want to take the risk and they don't want to pray and they don't want to fast like you prayed and you fast. 
this guy in our text, he said, listen, um, I could just imagine this atmosphere. All right, guys, look, man, I heard Jesus is in town, right? And he doing all this type of miracles and stuff. Y'all just roll me through there. I promise, man, I'm, I'm probably going to start walking. And I could just imagine he's probably on the mat, you know, seeing everybody. He's like, yeah, what's up, man? I'm getting healed today. Yeah, what's up? And the crowd is so, so thick. Because anytime Jesus is on the scene, everybody want to be there, right? And I believe the dudes carrying him was kind of like, man, it's, it's crowded up in here. And he probably was like, all right, y'all, just forget it, man. Just, just don't worry about it. But he had breakthrough friends. When do you, do you have any of those in your life? Breakthrough friends. I'm not talking about friends that break your heart. I'm talking about friends that help you break chains. Yeah, breakthrough friends. I could just imagine he was possibly on that mat. Like, hey, man, that's it, y'all. Just, just, just go ahead and take me back. And they're like, nah, man, we're we going we gonna to climb up on the roof. <laughs> like, but, man, this ain't our house. It don't matter. Jesus is in there. You want to be healed, right? You want... I need friends who convince me what you really need. Like when you're thinking about settling, when you're thinking about hitting that ex back, when you're thinking about walking out on your wife, when you're thinking about getting high real quick, when you're thinking about drinking, who can you call that will say, you remember what you really want, right? We're going to get on top of this roof. We're going to be radical. They didn't care whose house this was. All they knew that Jesus was inside. Do you have friends? And do you have leaders? And do you have parents? And do you have anybody around you in your life that can identify this is where your healing is? This is where your healing is. They climb on the roof, and the Bible says they break it open. I could just imagine in the middle, like I'm, I'm preaching right now, right? Jesus is like, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. <laughs> These dudes. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, and come on down, man. And right in the middle of his message, they just drop, just drop this paralyzed dude at Jesus' feet. Now, I think there's two types of people I want you to consider. Well, actually, three. You have Jesus who's probably laughing. I think Jesus is like, these people are crazy. This, this is what I'm talking about, though. They radical. They got some radical faith. And then you got the homeowner that's like, I know they done lost their mind. This ain't even their house. How they going to rip this? I hope they're going to pay for all of this. And then you got, like, the Pharisees that are upset because they know you're about to get a miracle. The spirit of religion never likes to see bound people free. Because a lot of people, oh, I'm about to get in trouble. The reason they like you bound is because you have a light that they could eclipse. And they love to add a ceiling to your dreams. But when you recognize who you are, you break the ceiling. Let them down. I want you guys to see this. They let them down. Mark chapter 2. Let's look at... Um, Let's look, just start from verse 1. It says, And again he went into Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered there, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then, then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. This dude had to be heavy, okay? And when they could not come near because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let him down on the bed. When Jesus saw their faith, did y'all catch that? Like, I just breezed through this story. I heard this story so many times, but I never noticed that Jesus saw them breaking through as faith. Jesus saw, if you guys are so radical, where well, y'all didn't let the crowd deter you, 
If you guys are so radical that you didn't let the comments stop you from publishing that book, if you guys are so radical that you didn't let naysayers keep you out the studio from recording that song, if you guys are so radical that even though everybody said that you can't do it, even though everybody's against you, you're going to do it anyway, there's something tied to radical faith. God loves when you say, I'm going to be radical. I know I don't have the answers, but I'm going to be radical. I know I have two fish and five loaves, but I'm going to be radical because I'm going to present my not enough to he who is more than enough. Because if I give he who is more than enough my not enough, he's going to make an abundant blessing from it. But he can't make the abundant and he can't feed more than 5,000 if you don't stop overlooking your two fish and five loaves as not enough. You give your not enough to him. Who is more than enough? Stop saying, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't have an editor. I don't have a publisher. I don't have a camera. I don't have a studio. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. How, how, how? The how belongs to God. You just give him your two fish and five loaves. He said, when he saw the faith that they had, he said, now this is the crazy part. He said, son, <laughs> your sins are forgiven. Now I'm like, hold up, wait a minute. Let us put some exegesis in it. If I'm this paralyzed dude, right? And you lay me down in front of everybody. I don't know if he was like, yeah. I don't know if he was cheering or if I don't know if he was like, oh, my God, what are they doing? I don't know what his mood was, right? But if I'm sitting there paralyzed, the last thing I care about is my sin. Y'all missed it. This paralyzed man goes before Jesus, and the first thing Jesus said is, your sins are forgiven. Now, if y'all like me, I'm going to be like, that's great. What about these legs, though? <laughs> what about these legs? They're not moving. But God always addresses the root and not the twig. See, we want God to deal with the symptoms, but we don't want God to address the tumor. Because for God to address the tumor, you have to do a life change. <sighs> yeah, God can heal you of cancer, but you also have to change your diet and exercise. We don't want to talk, right? There is is a participation fact to your miracle. And God never addresses the twigs. He always goes to the root. And a lot of us think that God is not answering your prayers. It's because he's not clipping your twig. (laughs) It's like, why won't God do this? He's not clipping your twig. He's dealing with the root. I need to forgive you of your sin. Because if I could forgive you of your sin, then maybe you could walk in righteousness. But if I just heal you, you'll walk back to the very thing that caused you to be paralyzed. Maybe not naturally in your body, but paralyze your prayer life. Paralyze your passion. Paralyze your love. I am going to forgive you of your sins first. Now, I know who this is for, but I believe God is saying you keep coming to me with your symptoms. But I want to deal with you with the cause. Pop an Advil for a headache is not going to treat the issue when you have a tumor in your head. And God is saying, I don't want to be a person that just treats your symptoms. I want to treat your life. I want to treat your life. Pharisees had a problem with it because they didn't recognize who God was. And I began to think about something. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, the Bible says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So I begin to think about something. Okay? Leave that scripture up there. Begin to think about something. 
All right. So one of my favorite holidays, one of my favorite holidays growing up was Christmas, right? And I understand, trust me, my parents taught me it's not about what's under the tree. It's about who hung on the tree. We don't celebrate jolly old Saint Nick. We celebrate Jesus. This is a time where we have put aside where we celebrate Jesus, okay? So I begin to think about this passage in Romans chapter 18. It said, I consider that the present sufferings cannot be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us, right? It's not as though on Christmas Day, the gift was just automatically given to me. It was there the whole time. It just took for me to be intentional to break it. It just took for me to be intentional to rip it open to see what truly is on the inside. Okay? So look, I want this to be your new label. I am a trauma breaker. Because what the devil never wants us to do is he wants, when you look in the mirror, for you just to see the wrapping of what he's labeled you as. I want you to just see yourself like this, okay? The devil wants you to see the wrapping. God wants you to see what's inside the box. And I'm trying to convince somebody, if you ever get bold and you begin to rip off the labels and you begin to rip off all the stuff that the enemy has put on you and if you begin to say I'm a trauma breaker and this stuff is not for me you will begin to see that there's some stuff that God put on the inside of you wow I'm a light and I'm gonna shine in darkness but I would never know that if I didn't search on the inside and see what God put on the inside of me what I, I I'm a songwriter. I would never know I'm a songwriter if I didn't get beyond all the labels that I allowed the enemy to put on my life. I would never know. What? You're going to be the first millionaire in your family? You got gold up in here? You got bread? Look, we making it rain up in here. You got money? You're going to be the first millionaires in your family? You're going to be the first one who's financially successful? You're going to be the first one who's debt-free? God has some stuff on the inside of you. Is it? Oh, you got some oil. Oh, you're going to be anointed. <laughs> you didn't know how anointed you were as long as you had addiction as your label. You didn't know how anointing you were as long as you had stress as your label. You didn't know how anointed you were as long as you had anxiety as your label. And so I believe on the inside of everybody watching this message, there's these scissors on the inside of you, right? God's like, you see this anxiety? I want you to get this anxiety. And since you're a trauma breaker, you're going to just cut it up. Because there's some things that I need you to do. There's some things I need you to become. Everything that the enemy is trying to put on you, break it off. Because you are not a trauma child. You are a trauma breaker. It cannot be compared to the glory that, we, that will be revealed in us. Some of us, what I'm trying to get you to see is look on the inside of you. Look on the inside of you and see what God has on the inside of you. You never knew that you would publish a New York bestseller because you were so caught up with all the labels that the enemy put on you. But I'm trying to get you to see that God sees you by everything that he put on the inside of you. This is why God keeps speaking next language while you still feel like you're stuck in this current place. Because I don't see you by your labels. I see what's on the inside of you think what God wants us to see 
all this rapping is a lie. All the abuse, all the stuff that happened in your life, yeah, it's real. But there's something on the inside of you that I want you to meet. There's a you on the inside of you. And until you break free from the trauma, and until you forgive those who offend you, you'll never see what's inside of you. So God, we pray. Help us understand, oh God, that we are trauma breakers. We're the one that is meant to break it. We're the one that's going to shift the bloodline. Everything changed once we've been born. Hell calls it a problem day. We call it a birthday. God, purpose fixes problems. And help us live life so much so to where when we die, some problems no longer exist because we fix the problem. We're praying that you give us the confidence to stop overlooking our two fish and our five loaves because we're a trauma breaker. And whatever the enemy is trying to put on us so that he could ship to our children and our bloodline, we break it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.